Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on True Story FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer drinking a coffee cup. Oh, no, I have to swallow really fast. I was kind of hoping Hello? I would get you to do a spit take. <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Unless you said something really, really funny or you had the shock potato. I don't. Potato. With you, <laughs> it then, never fails. Right. Never then fails. that that might happen there. But no. Hello, Pete Wright. Hi, Welcome, Nikki Kinzer. We are continuing our conversation about self-compassion and ADHD. And today we're talking about the feelings, the other hard feelings uh, that sometimes get uh, associated and how we live with that with our by being self-compassionate with our ADHD. Yeah. Oh, it's hard. No, 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 no. We don't question that. No. We just are. We just are. We are. Yeah. Yes, we is all the feelings. Uh-huh. And uh, and so I'm excited to talk about that. And uh, as I have been with the last three episodes in the Self-Compassion series, also a little bit nervous. That's okay. We're fine. We're totally fine We're here. Good. Before we dig in, head over to TakeControlADHD.com to get to know us a little bit better. Listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to the mailing list. We'll send you an email, new episode every week. Don't even worry, you'll get it. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram or Pinterest at Take Control ADHD. But if you really want to connect with us, jump into our Discord community. It's super easy to jump into the general community chat channel. Just visit TakeControlADHD.com slash Discord and you will be whisked over to that invitation page and log in. If you are looking for a little bit more, particularly if this show is ever touched you or helped you understand your relationship with your ADHD in a new way, we invite you to support the show directly through Patreon. Patreon is listener-supported podcasting. With a few dollars a month, you can help guarantee that we continue to grow the show, add new features, and invest more heavily in our community. Again, visit patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast to learn more. And I have to say, one of the things you get, one of the benefits you get at joining at the Deluxe Club or better is you get to join the live stream. Uh, you can hang out in Discord and chat along with other people who are watching this show live. And you see Pete and Nikki on video. And that's where the stupid stuff happens, like Pete <laughs> electrocuting himself. You would have you would miss that if you're not a part of the of the live stream. So at a bare minimum, if you want to join the live stream and chat along with other people who are living with their ADHD, just like you're living with yours, patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. It's the most fun I have all week. Most fun. That's Aww. that's the trick. I love recording the show. What other announcements do we have? Well, we have tax study halls. <clears throat> so they're offered uh, every Saturday and Sunday. Uh, we do a couple hours on Saturday, a couple hours on Sunday for Patreons at the deluxe tier and higher. So another benefit for our Patreon members. And we're going to be offering this through tax day, April 18th. I have a story about it taxes. Tax? It's a tax story. Yes. <laughs> so on Sunday is the day that I host tax study hall. Mm-hmm. And I went into tax study hall, not really thinking I was going to do my taxes. I thought I would do something else. Mm-hmm. But then I thought, you know, and my taxes and my husband's taxes, we had to prep the, the work and then send it to an accountant. But I knew I could probably do my kids because they're students and they work part time. They don't have all the stuff, mm-hmm. all the things that that my husband and I have. And uh, so I started to dig in. And I was very proud of myself because I was able to do both of them in the tax study hall in that two hour period of time. So proud of myself, telling everybody about it, told the GPS group. And I mean, I was like patting my head. I giant just, butt coming. Yes. And even dinner that night, I was like, not only can I do taxes, I can make this wonderful dinner. <laughs> I'm like, so awesome. Yeah. Monday morning during GPS, 
I get this little notice that the tax, uh, the tax guy, whoever or gal, uh, rejected my son's taxes <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> because his birthday was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I said that his birthday was August 31st. It's not nice. August 31st. Nice job, mom. No, I know. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, oh. But it was a very easy fix, and I was able to fix it to the correct birthday. And I'm still proud of myself. But As yeah, I just be. thought it was funny that I was like tooting my own horn. And then all of a sudden, I get this email like, oh, crap. I guess it wasn't as perfect as I thought it was. But oh, it's anyway. fantastic. Fantastic. But I have another announcement. Um, oh, speaking okay. of GPS, we want uh, all of our listeners to keep an eye on email and social media because GPS enrollment is now open. And uh, this is a great opportunity you do not want to miss. Enrollment only opens three times a year. So the next enrollment won't open until the fall. And, uh, you know, don't wait to take control of your planning. You can learn more about the GPS monthly membership program and sign up on our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. And I have a story about that too. You have a story about that too? <laughs> yes, and then we're gonna get into the show. Okay. I was talking to a group member who's not part of GPS. He's, uh, a, he's a part of a different um, group that I hold. And he was asking me if there was something that I knew about, or if there was a, a service or a recommendation where he said, you know, when you like hire a trainer and you have to go to the, you have to go to the workout session because mm -hmm. you've hired this trainer to be there. And, you know, part of it is just giving you the space to do the workout and having that accountability. And I'm like, yeah, I know a little something about that. <laughs> That's what GPS is. Not yeah. exactly, but it does give you the same type of feeling when you hire a trainer and you feel like, okay, they're going to guide me on my workouts. They're going to help me with this. I need to show up because they're going to show up. I'm doing the work because they're there with me doing the work. And I just thought that was a really interesting way to uh, explain a little bit about how GPS works. There's a lot more to that. But uh, I just thought that yeah. was an interesting conversation. Nikki, we're still working through your very favorite book, The Mindful Self-Compassion Workbook, right? Yes. Yes, we are. And uh, and it was interesting because when we were talking about what to do with the show, we mm -hmm. first were looking at self-compassion and anxiety, which both you and I know a lot about. And then I was looking in the book and I'm wondering if they have an actual chapter on anxiety and self-compassion. And uh, the chapter is chapter 16, but it's not just around anxiety. It's also around all of the difficult emotions that we feel. And I, and I thought, you know, that's, that's good because we really need to touch on all of them because there's more than just anxiety that, that sure. happens, right? Sure. So, uh, yes, we are going again. This information is from this book. This is not something that I created or Pete created. We are just talking about what we're learning in the book ourselves. And, you know, I'm curious to know, Pete, before we get started in the content, I mm -hmm. remember my mom and dad periodically just telling me, you know what? Life is not fair. Mm hmm. And I heard that a lot growing up, especially if I didn't get what I wanted. Yeah. Yep. Life is not fair. Did you hear that? What were your, was your experience similar or was it different? 
Yeah, I, I think it was. I think it was similar. I think there was there was a lot of uh, 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 my my parents were also particularly my dad w- was also dealing with a lot of his own uh, reckoning with privilege because he grew up very privileged. And, um, you know, he was the son of a founder of a major oil company in Oklahoma. And as such, mm-hmm. he did not have to want for anything. And so him becoming an adult, becoming a man and, you know, not having like a, his his dad died a horrible death of alcoholism. And it, like he literally drank himself to death and ended up, you know, not handing an awful lot down to his kids. And so my dad, you know, as an adult, having to adjust to the role model that he had as a man, as a father being a very wealthy person, and then his own experience of not having that kind of wealth. Um, he he was very much dealing with his own story of fairness and equity and, um, and you know, what what came what comes from inequality. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think that was I, I had a lot of that. I don't think I had really a role model message of, of fairness, but of just sort of befuddlement of, you know, that why do some people get get stuff and why don't others that so much of it is just timing and, mm-hmm. you know, circumstance and placement and mm-hmm. skin color and mm-hmm. geographic area and and so many things. So, yeah, it's it's complicated, like so many other things. It's complicated. Right. Absolutely. Well, and the book uh, names a few of these difficult feelings, anger being one of them, fear, uh, worry, anxiety, and grief. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it's interesting. So it talks about when we turn toward difficult emotions, however, even with mindfulness and self-compassion, our pain often increases at first and our natural instinct is to turn away. But if we are to heal, we must face them. The only way out is through. Curious what you think. Well, um, I, you know, it's hard for me right now, even still, it's been, mm-hmm. it's been, you know, a year and a half, or maybe, I don't even know more since dad passed away. Like we made it through the first rocky year. Right. And, uh, but it's still hard to, you know, approach any of the difficult emotion conversations without talking specifically about the manifestation of grief and what it right. does to, to me emotionally and physiologically. And I think what I've, what I, getting over the hump of that first year has, has really meant is I, I think I have more of an awareness of, of the, these other feelings that have just been sitting on my chest, right? And, and a lot of that is just anger. I've just been so so quick to to anger and 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 worry and doubt and all of those things you know the more i sort of explore that experience i realize are just a manifestation of the uncertainty that comes with with the grief of living with this hole in space that mm-hmm. was not there for for all of my life and so mm-hmm. that that i think was not did not exist earlier right this was the um you know the how you can't plan for uncertainty, right? Like right, you can't, right. you can't plan for, for this, and and um and just getting to the other side of it, realizing that self compassion means that I have to understand it takes time. I have to be patient with myself, and that I am I'm not broken. That I'm okay. That this is a a 
very confusing process, but it is a process. And there is another mm-hmm. side. There is an acceptance to the other side of it, but it's not overnight. Right, right. It's not right. like, oh, I realize that's grief. Okay, I guess I'm done. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Interesting. And you definitely have a very uh, different take because of the, the recent loss mm-hmm. that, that I can see. When I was looking at this, it was interesting because I was thinking anger and fear to me feels like those are things I have to hold in or hide mm-hmm. um, because I don't love confrontation. I don't right. know. I mean, I'm sure some people do, but I don't love it. Um, and I don't love admitting that I'm scared of something you know? Um, and so it always feels like it's something that you have to, for me, it always feels like something I have to hold in. Anxiety has been so big. It has been such a big part of my life. And I never even knew that I had it, you know, like I look back at like high school and college and I can see now, like, I think we've shared this before, or I've shared this before where I thought the anxiety just meant that I was an analyzer. Like I just mm. analyze everything to death. Yeah. I mean, you know, logically, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like anxiety. And I don't know anything different. Um, because even with, you know, practicing, uh, these, uh, these things, these methods that can help us with our anxiety, they still show up. It's still there. And, um, and then when I think about grief, I just think of sadness, just pure sadness. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah, these are uncomfortable feelings and it's, it's just, I know that logically they say we need to sit with them and we need to, you know, face them to heal, but it's hard when you really want to hide. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and not deal with it. You want to just live in denial, a little easier to live in denial. But that's not always serving us. Right. And and I think that leads us into this next this this next point, which is talking about the five uh, sort of stages of acceptance that that are outlined in this book. Um, I, I definitely have thoughts on these. Do you want to run through them? Uh, or you can, why don't you run through them? Yeah. Uh, the first one is resisting, uh, when you're struggling against what comes, uh, at you and you just want it to go away. The second one is exploring when you turn toward discomfort and curiosity. What am I feeling right now? The third one is tolerating safety in it, like safely enduring sort of your holding, holding steady. Uh, I, I don't like it, but I, but I can take it. Uh, you know, I, I, I feel like I can exist in this world without without breaking down, uh, allowing, letting your feelings come and go. That's number four. It's OK. I can make space for this. I can I can be a person with this in my life. And then finally, befriending, seeing value in difficult emotional experiences. What can I learn from this, for example? So resisting, exploring, tolerating, allowing and befriending. And this is the thing that gets me about this list is that I absolutely agree with it, but I think it should be served with a warning. And that warning is like Elizabeth Kubler-Ross's stages of grief. Yes. These th- these items don't come in a straight line. They don't come in any particular order or pacing, and you don't get to experience each one of them just once. It is 
a massive timey-wimey zigzag around the concepts of resisting exploring. One day you feel like, oh, I'm allowing today. I feel really good, right? This is a day where I can exist in this space. And tomorrow you walk around a corner and something hits you and suddenly you're resisting again. And it's just that experience. And it can feel like it's never ending. It is ending if you actually go through it, but it feels like it's never ending. And that's the thing that that I think really hit me about this list, that I totally believe in it and it's not linear. And that's the thing that I, when you see lists, especially with numbers next to them, right. it feels like it should be linear. It should be something step I'll go one, through. And then I'll step get to the two, next phase. And yeah. and that means step one is finished. Thank goodness I'm finished. Yes. Right? Like that's not how it works. No, I agree with you 100%. And, and it was interesting because I had to read them twice to really understand what they meant. Yeah. Um, because it's a different way of looking at it because it's not like the stages of grief, right? So right. it's kind of, you have to really think about what it's, what it's saying. And I kind of feel like with like my own anxiety, I live at number three. <laughs> yes. I yes. just live there. Yeah. That's like 8 a.m. <laughs> Monday morning. Time for stage three. Yeah. yeah, like I tolerate it. I don't yeah. like it, but I can do it. I can get through it. Well, and especially when you like I, this is this is what I find, you know, when I'm medicating anxiety. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is um, that that is, that becomes a, an actual state of acceptance, like of tolerating that it's like, OK, I know this is a thing that I have to do in the world. I have to take this pill in order for me to stay at stage three. Right. Right. right I yeah. have to do this. And you kind of become numb to the fact that there is any other gauge mm -hmm. outside of three. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, totally. I don't know how that how you relate to that. No, I totally relate to that, because some of the things that give me the highest anxiety when I look at the question, what can I learn from this? Like, I just, mm -hmm. nothing, <laughs> absolutely nothing. Like, so yeah, it, 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 I don't, I'm being, I mean, obviously that's not true, but um, I think every emotional experience we can learn from, but yeah. it's going to look different. And I think that that's the thing is that, you know, um, it's so personal. I'm going back to grief because I've, I've unfortunately have had to see my daughter go through this with losing a friend in the summer. And it was so incredibly unfair um, and sad and tragic. And like, it's really hard to make sense out of it. You know, a 17 year old should not die. Uh, there's no, you know, you can't justify it. But it was interesting because one of the things that they took from it, and I guess this is where you can go from that grief to what can I, what can I learn from this or what can I do? And he drowned. And so one of the things that they did is they collected life jackets and they put these stands into the different like um, lakes and, and rivers around our area in dedication to him. And, uh, and that's, that's special. Mm -hmm. You know, it's being able to to allow that, I guess, to have space for it, but then also to to do something in his honor. And I don't know if that's something really that you can say I learned from, but it feels good to do. Yeah, for you sure. Know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Deep stuff, right? That's the thing is that these emotions are deep and, and um, I can imagine. 
with someone with ADHD, because I do not have ADHD, how overwhelming it would be to feel all of these feelings all at once, all the time, going a million miles per hour in mm-hmm. your head. Well, and and because, you know, lest we forget the the perils of unregulated hyperfocus, right? right. And I'll, I'll say again, it is used by many ADHD pundits as the ADHD superpower. And I firmly believe those are people who have not forgotten to eat for three days before in their lives because they've been hyper-focused on something, mm-hmm. right? I, like, I just feel like that is, it is, um, it is that unmetered fire hose. And when you, like, find yourself stuck in uh, a space of resisting um, and the ADHD, symptomatic ADHD rears its head, it's really hard to climb out of that, mm-hmm. right? That that's depression. Like that mm-hmm. takes you into into a deep a, a deeper like unhealthy space. And I think that's the that's the trick for me that um, that's that's the trick for me that feels like like w- what requires the ADHD jolt, right? That surprise out of uh, the ADHD spiral can also maybe sort of electrify into another stage toward accepting a difficult feeling like like grief or worry or fear. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I we I once interviewed a, a man named Jerry Campbell uh, on, on a podcast and and he talked all about the dynamic tension between love and fear and and the anxiety that comes between those two and and sort of what happens uh, when you when you feel like your life is being sort of swallowed up in your own emotions and the reality of needing the rest of the world around you to to feel embraced by it in order to feel the warmth to get out of it and it sounds a little bit ooey gooey but i'll tell you it's it it really it's really true because when you're uh, you know one of the things that we that we're going to talk about right is this is the role of the amygdala in creating fear that registers danger yes. and um you know we we've talked about it before the amygdala hijack like when your yes. amygdala is hijacked by emotion and you have no words to express what those feelings are that means you are exploding with one of these difficult feelings like anger fear emotion grief mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. uh and and so strategies for for jump starting your journey on the road out of that, surprising your ADHD in a way that you you're able to move through it, I think is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Tell me you have answers to all of these thoughts. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, <laughs> why would I not? <laughs> it's like how great I am about doing taxes, right? Yes, and I no, and remembering birthdays. Birthday, so, right. <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> Um, yeah, <laughs> no, I, this, this, the, the next area that we're going to talk about, though, are these three helpful strategies for working with difficult emotions. Again, this is coming from this book. But the first one, the first strategy has helped me personally through so many situations. And it's interesting, because we were talking about this in our, our overwhelm group, I have a group where we talk about overwhelm. And of course, these all of these emotions come come up. And, and uh, there's a particular member in the group has been really working on labeling emotions, and just being able to do that, and then talk to someone about what he's going through has helped immensely for him Mm -hmm. to be able to to feel more in control. And I know for me, this is true. So this is labeling emotions, you know, identifying it, 
what is it? What's going on here? It, it, how am I feeling? Is it is it anxiety? Is it fear? Is it anger? Um, it helps us figure out. I guess it just doesn't stay blinded. It's like we can actually see what it is. Mm -hmm. So for me, if I'm really anxious, I'll let my husband know I'm feeling a lot of anxiety right now. And I'll either know what it is or I won't know what it is. But I need him to know so that he doesn't um, say the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. So I need to tell him I either want to just talk this out or I need you to help me with a solution, or I need you to not talk to me at all. And that's usually where I go because I'm an introvert. So I tend to go inside. But I just think it's important to label like this is what's going on and then telling the people that are most close around you what you need in that moment, if you know, if you know. Yeah. You know, there's a, there's sort of a corollary to that, which is the, the, um, the, and I think it's this. I actually think it's the second sort of area that we're going to talk about, which is the somatic experience. And it makes me think about something Sharon said last week, Sharon Celine, that she kept talking about, like, put your hand on the on place where heart. it hurts, yeah. right on it, on your heart. But Dr. Dodge has sort of uh, expanded that by saying, like, when you think about your, when you're curious about your body, like what you're feeling, does your stomach hurt? Put your mm-hmm. hand on that. Does your heart hurt? Does your head hurt? Like what? what hurts and then the act of putting your hand on it and and sort of speaking through it um using those labels and and using the words to find clarity and to demonstrate that you care for yourself by putting your hand on that part of you can go a long way toward um liberating yourself from those the the ties to those difficult emotions that you can't break and, and that's giving I, I find you that fascinating yeah, because that's giving you the self-compassion. That's you cradling right. yourself. That's you saying it's going to be okay. And you're, you're actually touching that. And that, that, yeah. so this goes into number two, which is the awareness of emotions in the body. So you are identifying that you're feeling this way, whatever that might be, and then figuring out where you're feeling it. So, um, you know, is it in your stomach, your head, your are you tense? And mm-hmm. what's so interesting to me about this book is it really hit home when it said, you know, emotions have mental and physical components, thoughts and bodily sensations. We can be angry and be thinking about why we are so mad, justifying how we feel, and our faces can get red, our hearts can beat faster, but your, your thoughts are hard to work with because Mm -hmm. they are working so fast. They're going so fast into your mind. And if you can focus on what's happening to your body, it's it's slow moving. Your body is slow moving. It's not as moving as fast as your brain. Mm -hmm. And so then giving that that, uh, area, that mindful awareness, and as you said, being able to, you know, carry it or be gentle with it. Yeah. It, it slows that process, you know? Yeah. And I'll, I, I just want to say for the record, I'm not good at this myself, right? I'm not good at it, but I am. But, and and I'll, I'll say as a caveat, like I, you know, for those who don't know, I mentioned Dr. Dodge. Uh, Dodge is a lifelong friend of mine, and he and I meet for lunch every single week on Zoom. And so I kind of have a therapist in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. And when Dodge leads me, 
through this experience, like the somatic exploration. If I'm really having trouble and I show up and I say, Dodge, I need you to talk me through your thing that you do. He can help me unlock some of those feelings and has been an invaluable assistant Mm -hmm. in figuring out how to transition into year two of grief and what Mm -hmm. that looks like. I find it really difficult to get out of my own head and into my body when I'm alone, but having a partner lead me through that experience, I can do it with with ease now. Like I, I can yeah. be pretty effective. So I feel like that's the next sort of hurdle is being able to listen to my body and get out of my own head when I'm alone. Mm-hmm. Because as a practice for me, I'm not I'm I'm not terribly great at mm-hmm. it yet. Mm-hmm. And time. and that's okay, right? I mean, yeah, you might not yeah. ever be able to do it on your own. You might always want to have that other person kind of leading you because there is something yeah. about that too. Part of what what this reminded me of too is when we had that talk with James Ochoa and he was mm-hmm. explaining us the breathing technique that he uses. Mm-hmm. And and that is to calm the, you know, your your nervous system and and I go back to that too thinking that's that's kind of another strategy to add to all of this is being able to stop that um, and focusing on your breath. And, and we'll put that in the show notes too. what his uh, what his meditation um, or breathing exercises. The, the third is a little bit of a crossover when we were talking about um, like putting your hand on your your heart. It's that soft and soothe and allow. So it's a set of compassionate responses to difficult emotions that we find in the body. So we can do this in three different ways. We can find comfort in these three ways. Um, The softening is that physical compassion. You know, it means to soften into the location, into your body. Um, So again, if you, I notice at night, my jaw will be really tense Mm -hmm. and I'm not falling asleep, which I don't know why. Why do you not fall asleep with a really tense jaw? I mean, it makes sense. I know, right. right? Just because you're living with the anxiety that you can hear your teeth cracking under its grinding (laughs) efforts. That's a horrible thing. And I can't ever see through it. Mm -hmm. Um, But noticing that and then letting your muscles relax and just sort of Mm -hmm. softening that and not necessarily changing the feeling, but just holding it, you know, letting yourself relax. That Well, I think that whole exercise is is enormously helpful for me in terms of speaking of a practice. This one I can I can rock. And I think it's I think it's also something they teach like Marines. I would love to know um, if this is a thing that (laughs) <laughs> that is used in the military. But I think it's something because often like the military, like when you're in service, you have to find sleep anywhere you can get it. And so figuring out a practice where you can actually get yourself to sleep very quickly is is useful. And for me, this has been very helpful, not just softening the the areas where you're feeling uh, tension, but going through the motions of saying, okay, now I'm going to start with my toes. I'm going to flex my toes as hard as I can. And then I'm going to release them. So you can feel every muscle. You just work your way up your body. You feel every muscle because sometimes we don't even know where we're tense until we try to tense it. And we can't. Because it's already so tense. It's already tense. You have to go through the motions of finding the, the, the systems in your body that are tense and releasing everything around it so you can even see what that or feel what that contrast is mm-hmm. between tension and relaxation. So I, I just want to throw that in. It's a oh, super useful sure. like practice for relaxation um, mm-hmm. and, and can be super handy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the soothing, the emotional compassion. Uh, so this is where we're talking about placing your hand over that part of your body that feels uncomfortable. 
um, and kind of imagining the warmth and the kindness, you know, flowing through your hand into your body. And I've had like different um, meditations that I've practiced in the years that Mm -hmm. kind of walk you through this. And it's kind of like what you do with with uh, Dr. Dodge, I couldn't do it on my own. But when I'm hearing about, you know, somebody saying, imagine this bright light and the warmth of the light coming down on you, like there's something about that that just feels really comforting. Uh, So that's, what's that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something to kind of think about with with soothing, soothing. soothing the emotional compassion. But this is also where it comes into talking to yourself like you would a friend. I'm sorry you're feeling this way. You know, be give yourself some grace. Like what would you say to somebody else and, and saying those things to yourself too? Or as as Sharon speaks very specifically to a third grader with a skin knee. Yes, absolutely. I've yeah. carried that one from last week. That's yeah. That's it's important. So true. Yeah. Uh, and then the allowing is the mental compassion, uh, allowing the discomfort to be there, making room for it, releasing mm-hmm. the need for it to go away and allowing yourself to to be just as you are, just like this, if only for this moment. Mindfulness, being present. And I think that kind of goes back to leaning into it. Um you know, it, it, it's like you said, this is not a perfect process where you just go through it and like, oh, no, I can handle all of this stuff with self-compassion. Um, sure. But I hope that it gives people some thought of what they can do with it and, and not have to live in that chaos all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I know it's uh, uh, we are a work in progress. Yes, we are. We are a work in progress. So thank you, uh, everybody, for hanging out with us uh, for this continuing conversation on self-compassion and ADHD and all the great feelings. <laughs> so many, so many great right, feelings. Right, because that's the th- I just have to say something because sure. you just brought up something. There's a lot of great feelings yeah. that we get to experience in life, too. It's not all bad. So I know bad. we focused on kind of the negative today, but I, I think that's a good point, Pete. We also have to focus on all of those wonderful, great feelings that we get to. All the great feelings. Okay, yes. I like it. We can do that. Yes. We can do that. We can do that. Uh, and thank you for your time and your attention to all the great feelings. Don't forget, if you have something to contribute to this conversation, we're heading over to the Show Talk channel in our Discord server, and you can join us right over there by becoming a supporting member at the deluxe level or better. On behalf of Nikki Kinzer, I'm Pete Wright. And we'll see you right back here next week on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast. Mm-hmm.